five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. And welcome back into the Bama on three show. This is your host, Clint Lamb, sitting here once again with Jimmy Stein. Jimmy, how are we doing on this? What is it? Thursday? <laughs> it's Thursday. The days can run into each other when there's so much. You know, it's crazy that when the season is over, there's so many news days. I mean, it's, it's like a lot of news, uh, particularly those of us and, and people listening to the show. I mean, what we care about is the roster. I mean, who's going to be on the roster? Who's on the team? And, uh, and who's going to be coaching them? And there's a lot of discussion about all that stuff so we're actually going to have a lot of different topics to talk about today we haven't recorded i guess it's been about a month in fact i think it's been exactly a month just over um maybe december 4th maybe it it was right after the iron bowl i think we did a recap of the iron bowl and then we did another podcast as well but we're going to be covering a lot of different topics today we're going to be talking about the sugar bowl we're going to be talking about early entrance to the nfl draft we're going to be talking about potential coaching staff turnover we've already seen charles kelly go to colorado i would do want to get into nick saban's comments about the transfer portal talk a little bit about that talk about how encouraging it was you know the performance in the sugar bowl how does the quarterback battle look going in the next season so we might need to break this up into multiple podcasts we probably will Uh, in fact this will probably end up being a seven parter with the way we like to talk uh (laughs) (laughs) but no we're gonna try to keep it to two but you know no promises We'll, we'll see how it goes but jimmy we'll start off with the game alabama wins the sugar bowl against kansas state 45 to 20 started off a little bit rocky but they were able to get things together and to me it was the most impressed that i've been with them this entire season so what were your initial thoughts on the kansas state game i do think it was the most complete game the team had played all season when you factor in offense and defense and quality of opponent when you take all that into account i think it was alabama's best performance um it wasn't perfect on either side of the ball. It, 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 it shouldn't ever be, really. Uh, you know, Kansas State's a, a really good team. They, they beat three top ten teams during the season. They won the Big 12. They beat a team that's playing for the national championship. So this is a really good team. And Alabama won the game, you know, by 25 points and, uh, and, and played really well. Very impressed, particularly with Bryce and Brian Branch. I thought they were kind of the MVPs of the game. Uh, Bryce played one of the best games of his career at Alabama, which is saying a mouthful uh, branch. Probably that was his signature performance, I think, in his time at Alabama. Uh, just a, a real good physical effort. Uh, I like uh, how Alabama had a lot of success in multiple areas of the game. Uh, several players standing out. But really, it was just that complete performance we'd been waiting on. And, uh, you know, I, I, it doesn't make me uh, – uh, sad that Alabama wasn't in the playoff, but I do think it proved in my mind, Clint, that, you know, Alabama didn't deserve to be in the playoff. They lost twice and, and you don't deserve to be in the playoff if you lose twice. Uh, but, but the way the playoff games played out and the way Alabama played against Kansas state proved to me irrelevant, I'm sure, but proved to me that had Alabama been in the playoff, they would have held their own. That uh, they, they they could have easily matched up and beaten any of the four teams in the playoff. I agree with you, Jimmy. And it's unfortunate because you know we talk about if Alabama doesn't win a national championship next year, it will have been the longest drought during the Nick Saban era. 
And I right. think that it's going to be a lot tougher next year than it, than it was this year or it was last year. You know, I think it's a lot more of a rebuild. Uh, this was supposed to be the year. You know, you got the best offensive player in college football, best defensive, both your coordinators coming back. Uh, you know, the offensive line, despite the fact they lost Evan Neal, you thought it was going to, going to improve. And so it is unfortunate. But I will say that, and I, I hate doing this, but I, I've always said Texas has a legitimate gripe when they make the comment, if Colt McCoy doesn't get hurt, they have a chance to win that game. Now, granted, I still think Alabama wins. I'm saying it's not as lopsided. I'm saying Texas is in that game, and it's possible that they win. It's okay to say that. We'll never know one way or the other. So the game works out how it works out. But now, the last two years, you have to wonder. Last year, it was injuries to John Mechie and then Jamison Williams in the national title game. That significantly impacted how the how you know the outcome of the season ended up playing out. They were such a huge part of the offense. They were such a huge part of Bryce Young. The offensive line wasn't great, but when you've got those kind of talents, sometimes it was just, hey, give me enough time to be able to chunk this thing downfield to Jamison Williams or something like that. You didn't have those two guys available. Then this year, it's Bryce Young's shoulder, and you never really know, you know how different the offense would have looked, how much better Jermaine Burton would have looked how much better Ja'Cory Brooks and some of these freshman receivers that were, you know, starting to get involved but were a little bit inconsistent. I think a lot of guys had more vertical ability than we thought. Or, you know, going into the season, we certainly thought they were they had plenty of speed. It was supposed to be one of the fastest wide receiver, you know, groups during, you know, at least the Nick Saban era. But it, it didn't play out the way that a lot of fans and, and, and you know, us who cover it thought it was going to play out. And I do think injuries had a little bit to do with that. Yeah, uh, I think the two biggest factors, like, you know, everyone's going to have their different opinion. You know, why didn't Alabama make the playoff? Why did they lose twice? Why did the season not play out as anticipated? Uh, my answer, my, my two answers have nothing to do with coordinates, the offense and the defense, uh, nothing to do with officiating, really doesn't have much to do with penalties. I think the answers are Alabama uh, – Alabama played one of the most impossible road schedules in college football history. Not just the hardest road schedule this season. That's a slam dunk. One of the hardest road schedules ever. I think Bill Connolly, uh, you know, and, and, and who's, who's a great analytics guy. He's the top college football analytics guy for, for ESPN. That should tell, tell you everything you need to know. I, I think all four of Alabama has four road opponents that ended up ranked in Bill Connolly's top 10. We played four of the top 10 teams in the country on the road per his analytics. That's crazy. That's just impossible. Now factor in that the best player in our team who happens to be the best player in college football uh, hurt his shoulder against Arkansas. And in my opinion, wasn't, back to being himself to Auburn and really wasn't his real self until Kansas state uh, because he just played hurt. He missed what amounts to two games. I mean, the, he did get hurt after the Arkansas game started, but Arkansas, you know, Alabama led 14, nothing. Arkansas scored more than 14. That, that made, to, to me, Milrow really was the quarterback in the Arkansas game and, and then was the quarterback against A&M. So Bryce missed two games, played hurt in the rest. I, I think those were the biggest factors 
I would love to play that LSU game again with Bryce Young as healthy as he was against Kansas State. Bryce completed less than 50% of his passes against LSU. Um, it was the, the worst performance by the offense all season. Credit LSU, credit playing at Baton Rouge, but Bryce was playing gimped up in that game. So to me, those were the two biggest stories of 2022 in terms of why they didn't make it to the playoff and win the playoff. Uh, the road schedule was just borderline impossible, and Bryce was hurt for two-thirds of the season. And here's the thing about the schedule that people's got to understand. Ask anybody, any fan base, and and you can pose it, the question this way. Tell me the first thing you think of when you think of college football. And if they're an Oregon fan, they're probably going to say Oregon. But the number two team that everybody is saying is Alabama. If you go and you find a completely – someone that doesn't really follow college football, they're a big NFL fan, they don't care anything about college, you say, tell me the first word you think of when you think of college football. 90% of people are going to say Alabama. It is the standard. It is the premier program in college football. Now I want you to think that adds an extra layer. You know, you can have a number one ranked Georgia come into your your house. You can have a number two ranked Ohio State. You can that's and I'm not saying that teams don't get up for those games. They certainly do. Those are the kind of games that can make your season. If you end up having, you know, if you're Auburn and if you pull the upset on Alabama, even though you know you you barely squeaked by and barely made a bowl game in that instance, it's still like a hey, we still got them, man. You know, we still got the guy the king, the king of the hill, the king of the mountain. And I understand that George is starting to kind of take that over a little bit. It, it's kind of making that transition, but it's not even close to being there yet. Then I want you to think about the teams that were good this year that Alabama played on the road and the extra motivational factors involved. You got LSU, rival. Nick Saban was at LSU. LSU fans hate Alabama, period. You got Tennessee. One of the biggest rivals, one of Alabama's biggest rivals. It had been 15 years. There's so much energy and extra motivation that goes into that game, and it's on the road. You got the crowd that's super emotionally involved in the game. You've got Ole Miss with Lane Kiffin. You've come close to beating Alabama a couple of years ago. You really want to beat Nick Saban. You're taking extra chances that you probably shouldn't. Have. He does this in every game, and I think in a lot of ways he's swinging for the fences to try to land a a job at a place like Alabama, you know, if you can upset some of these teams, then, you know, the perception starts to change. But my point here is that you've got that. And then, you know, games that were played close, Jimbo Fisher, Texas A&M, all the emotion involved with that. We talked about how pissed off Alabama was going to be. You know, I, I think Texas A&M also, you know, that they, they weren't happy with Nick Saban's comments. They weren't happy with the fact that Alabama came at them and named them publicly, you know, when he was making his comments. So we act like that they're, it wasn't just, you know, because you watch Arkansas in the bowl game. You watch Ole Miss in the bowl game. And there's arguments to be made. Oh, these teams aren't as good as, you know, we all thought they were going to be. I guarantee you, you attach Arkansas's emotion to playing Alabama in Fayetteville and you send any other team over there with that type of extra motivation and everybody's going to struggle, period. So that's kind of my thoughts on that. Um, you know, who were some of the guys that stood out to you against Kansas State, Jimmy? I mean, I felt Bryce was MVP of the game, one of the best games of Bryce's career, which, again, is saying so much. I thought it was Brian Branch's probably his best. You know, frankly, Brian's been really good all year long and, and, and really good throughout his career. But I thought in terms of dominance, that was Brian Branch's best performance. There was one set of downs where he made all three tackles, first down, second down, third down, and they punted. I mean, that, and it was Brian made all those plays. Um 
I, I think other guys played well. Some of the younger guys uh, I, I felt that were exciting. I mean, even seeing guys like Jahad Campbell and Sean Murphy with the inside linebackers, Damon Payne playing, I think uh, you pointed out in your great uh, snap count story on defense that that was um, the second most snaps Damon Payne had played in a game this season. Uh, he, he wasn't a standout, but the fact that the staff trusts him. I mean, that's the thing about Saban. He trusts you or he doesn't. Damon Payne's playing that many snaps. They trust him. It's not like there was a rash of injuries. I mean, the, the main guys that have been playing all year were, were all available, and uh, Payne still played, I think, 37 or 40 snaps. So uh, I, I think a lot of young guys, about Tyler Booker, not just getting his first start, but playing 60 minutes in a game where Alabama scored 45 points against a good defense. Uh, so I thought Tyler Booker, just great experience for him. Um, and then uh, and then wide receiver, you know, Ja'Cory Brooks uh, made a, a catch in the back of the end zone, which really was a great throw by Bryce. But it reminded me, Clint, to compliment Ja'Cory more. I think I think we were really rough. You know, I, I say all the time, what's my one of my sayings that, that Nick Saban hasn't spoiled us. He's ruined us. Uh, and, and I think Ja'Cory is a great, great sophomore receiver. Does it look like he's going to be Devontae or Ruggs or Judy or Waddle or, or Ridley or Amari Cooper? This incredible litany of fantastic game-breaking wide receivers. I, I don't think Ja'Cory is in their class, but what I think Ja'Cory – but you know what he is? He's a really good college football player, and, and, and we hold it against him because he's not incredible like Devontae. So – Jacory making that catch reminded me to say that and, and to talk about it a lot in the offseason. When you look at his numbers over two seasons, uh, Jacory Brooks been a good college football player. Well, you know, to that point, think about the style of offense that he plays in and think about his skill set. Like when they've actually thrown the ball to him vertically and he's had to go up and win 50-50 balls, which is one of his biggest strengths in my opinion, he's been pretty dang good at it. The problem is, is that that's not really – Alabama's offense has been creating separation through route running. It's been accurate passes. It's been winning vertically with speed. So his skill set and what, you know, if he was playing in a different offense that really highlighted, hey, let's just throw it up there and let our guy go get it. And not from a speed perspective, but from a, he's just, you know, he's a 6'2", 195, you know, 200-pound receiver who's going to be able to go up and over guys to, to win 50-50 balls. He just hadn't been given a whole lot of those opportunities, but when he has, he's done, been fairly effective at it. So I think that people need to keep that in mind. Like Alabama has had a very specific style of receiver. You're never, you want to pursue the five-star talent, and I do think that he fits what Alabama wants to do in some ways uh, as far as being a complementary piece, but that's not that type of piece is not going to be highlighted in Alabama's offense very often. And so people's got to understand that I think he's a much better talent than maybe – and how he's utilized and, and what he's been given the opportunities to do. So keep that in mind. Uh, I thought Jermaine Burton certainly had a great performance. Now, granted, he's done some things in recent games where he has a very strong first half and then kind of disappears in the second half. And I wanted to point that out because I want to say all three of his catches for 87 yards and a touchdown came in the first half. And if it didn't, then I want to say it was early in the third quarter by the time he was pretty much done you know I, I mean he led the team in targets with six but i want to say all six came in the first half like i said from there it, it kind of just and maybe it was because they were giving him extra attention i don't really know but what i will say is that 
down the stretch, he has been a lot more effective than I think a lot of people realize or want to give him credit for. You know, yeah. of his, I think he ended up leading the team in receiving yards with 677. Of that, over 52%, over 50% have come over the last four games. That's pretty remarkable. That means he went the first nine and he had, you know, roughly a little bit less than 50%. And all of a sudden, those numbers really started to jump. And that includes catches, that includes touchdowns, all of that stuff's between 45 and 55%. And I think that there's, and, and I've, this is the way that I've explained it to people. Early in the season, Alabama was really trying to get him the football vertically, but he didn't have that chemistry down yet with Bryce Young. Then by the time that you would really start to see that start to hit, which you did start to see it a little bit, um, I want to say against Vanderbilt, maybe uh, they 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 hit some deep shots, if I'm not mistaken. But then at that point against Arkansas in Week Five, they're taking some deep shots downfield, but it's not to Burton in those particular instances. It was the true freshman. But then Bryce gets hurt, and now he's got the shoulder issue, and that really limits his ability to push the ball vertically. And so it was unfortunate how that ended up working out. But as the games and the season continued to carry on, and Bryce continued to get healthy you started to see that on display a little bit more. Now, in the last couple of games, you've seen him winning vertically fairly consistently. And I think that's pretty important. And it makes you wonder how much better this Alabama offense could have been had Bryce not had the shoulder injury. So Burton's been a good player, but Jimmy, what are your thoughts on him and his potential return? Or, and, or do you think it's possible that he leaves for the NFL? Yeah, I do think it's possible he leaves for the NFL or even portals out. Uh, I, I'm not ruling anything out with Jermaine between now and uh, and the deadlines. There's there's a deadline of January 16th to enter the draft. I do think it's quite possible Jermaine Burton will do that. Uh, I think uh, the, the 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 deadline to get into the portal is January 18th. I wouldn't rule out him doing that. I also don't rule out him returning to Alabama either. Uh, he said he's going to return. We should take him at face value. Uh, you know, that might not be a final decision, but th that's something we'll know by January 18th. I I'm not going to be uh, adamant about anything with Burton. I think it's all sort of up in the air, frankly. Um, in terms of what player he's turned into, he, he caught 677 yards. One of the things I'm going to do when I go back and rewatch the season which I do every off season. I go back and rewatch the season chrono chronologically and I'll, I'll report on the, on the talk of champions message board, my thoughts on each game as I do that. But I, I bet we're going to find Clint. Uh, I, I'm going to just pick a number out of the air. I'm going to say 300 yards. I think there were 300 missing yards from Jermaine Burton's catch total this year, because he also had some bad luck. Part of it was Bryce's shoulder. I'm sure. Uh, part of it was just bad luck, but several times this season, several times, Jermaine Burton was behind the defense to make a big play, and the throw ended up being inaccurate, and 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 he, it was impossible for him to catch it when he had beaten the defense and was in position to to make a big play. Uh, for whatever reason, he was our bad luck receiver this year, where he's open, he's there, and and the ball's just not catchable. Uh, which is strange because, you know, Bryce is, is as we know, uh, famous for, for being accurate. So uh, I think Jermaine Burton, by the end of this season, proved uh, he was, in fact, our wide receiver one. He's the best receiver on the team, uh, a high quality receiver uh, compared to the rest of his uh, the, the receivers in the SEC. His numbers were hurt by Bryce's injury and then also some bad luck. 
uh, but he is a good player. In my opinion, Jermaine Burton should return to Alabama and become even more fully invested in Nick Saban and more fully invested in Alabama and be the leader of that wide receiver room, not be, hey, I want to lead this room in catches and, and yards and be a, hey, I want to lead this room in every way. Uh, I think that's what he should do. Uh, and he might, and it would be good for him. He is a good player. Like I was saying about Ja'Cory Brooks, I don't think we appreciate Burton enough. He just suffers in that comparison to the rideouts, to, to, to that long list of the Julios and the, and the Amaris. Uh, he suffers in that comparison, but that's not fair. The question is, is Jermaine Burton a good college football receiver? And the answer is, yeah, yeah, he is. Well, the NFL, to me, there's nothing that stands out about Jermaine Burton. You know, he's not a height, weight, speed guy. If you're not going to be that kind of player, you need to be putting up numbers like John Mechie was putting up last year. You know, that's what really helped him. Maybe NFL teams can look at the season and say there was a lot of yardage left on the field. I couldn't get on the same page with the quarterback early. Quarterback gets hurt. As good as, you know, Jermaine Burton looked against Kansas State in the Sugar Bowl, they also had the mess early on that would have been a touchdown and it would have been a, an explosive play. I mean, so that's another one. Even when they were on the same page and things were good in, in certain games, there were some misses in there as well that really hindered his overall performance. But that's why I think he should return to Alabama. If you transfer elsewhere, and this is what I'm trying to figure out, and it's all speculation. Uh, maybe he just didn't enjoy his time in Tuscaloosa. I got a feeling if Bryce Young was coming back, he would be certainly returning. But if you transfer elsewhere, what would be your reasoning for that? You know, you've got to learn a new offense. You've got to learn a new system. It's a new environment. That's a lot. And then you start to become that, uh, you know, um, what's his name? The, the quarterback that was at Georgia. He was at USC. And then uh, I keep wanting to oh, say yeah, JT Daniels. JT, JT Daniels. Dan I keep, want, I keep yeah. wanting to say Jaden Daniels. Um, yeah, JT. Yeah, so JT Daniels. Then you start to become that guy where it's like, I mean, this guy's transferring all the time. He can't stay committed to one place. I mean, I want to say that he played for multiple high schools. And uh, Is that correct? Uh, I don't remember that, but I certainly wouldn't be surprised based on how his college career has played. Is he at Rice? That's his, I think, is he going to Rice for his well, time season? I was, I was talking about Jermaine Burton. Oh, oh sorry. Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, Jermaine Burton did uh, – I think he did. I think that's right. I think he did. Yeah, I think I think he played at a couple of high schools. If I'm not mistaken, I, I could be speaking out of tongue. Uh, but point here is that what do you think the reasoning would be for him to want to go play elsewhere? Would it be the quarterback situation? Would it be the fact that it maybe he's looking at, let's say, Jalen Milrow ends up winning the job? It's going to be a different style of offense. You're not going to see them slinging the football around 50 times with Jalen Milrow, period. Is he worried about that, you think? Uh, I think that's a possibility based on him leaving the last place. And in retrospect, in retrospect, I mean, I'm not defending Georgia, and I'm not saying I wish Burton hadn't come here. I'm glad that he did selfishly because we, frankly, would have been in a bigger mess without him. But if he literally is, I'm leaving Georgia because I don't want to catch balls from Stetson Bennett. Dude, Stetson Bennett just kind of proved you're you're a moron. <laughs> Stetson Bennett's going to play in the NFL. I'm 100% convinced of that. Now, he might not be a starter. He might not be the starter that brings his team to the playoffs in year one. But Stetson Bennett is going to be a quarterback employed by an NFL team, <laughs> which makes him one of the best quarterbacks on the planet. Um, 
So I think if Burton's just chasing quarterbacks, I don't think the NFL is going to appreciate it very much, frankly. I don't think that's an attitude the NFL will like. I also don't rule this out. I'm not talking about inside scoop here. I'm just talking about general what often happens in football, Clint, that's beyond our purview as fans and media is, hey, it could be that Jermaine Burton tells the world, hey, I'm coming back. I want to play here at Alabama. And then he goes and sits down with Nick Saban and Nick Saban says, uh, pick another one. Guess again. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that that happens too. I'm not saying it's happening here, but that does happen too. Uh, I think they expect Burton to be a leader. And 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 a leader is not going to leave because he's concerned as to who the starting quarterback is going to be and whether they can get him the ball or not. Um, you know, and I, I, so I think Jermaine Burton, I, I talk about intangibles a lot. And, and by that, I mean, boy, look at Bryce's intangibles. Uh, I love Ty Simpson because of the intangibles, um, you know, uh, Caleb Downs, same way. Well, there's there's two sides to that coin. And I think Jermaine Burton needs to work on his a little bit. And that's being a leader in the body language and not, not, you know, reading the Gettysburg address to every defensive back that he beats for a first down, you know, <laughs> just, just make plays and, and, and be a leader. And, and I think that's what they would like to see out of him. And I think it'd do him a world of good. And that's a good point. You know, I think chasing quarterbacks is a bad move. Imagine you're the Houston Texans last year and imagine as Jermaine Burton sitting there and at the top of the second round and not John Mechie. You know, if you're looking at Burton and you're like, ah, based off of our current quarterback situation, we really don't want the headache. We don't want this guy coming in, not getting the looks that he wants to get. We don't have a great quarterback. We're still working on getting that figured out after trading to Sean Watson. And you, you got this disgruntled wide receiver who's wanting, Hey, I want more targets. I want a better quarterback. I, you know, this is a frustrating situation. My point here is that sometimes you just got to put your head down and say, okay, you know, it, it is what it is. And I, that's something that has slipped my mind. The whole entire reason that he apparently wanted to leave Georgia after winning a national championship and expected to be their number one receiver might not have been their number one pass catcher. That would have been Brock Bowers, Brock but Bowers. number one player at the position, uh, the wide receiver position, then, you know, he decided he wanted to go elsewhere. A lot of people speculated that, you know, and, and he even said himself, I'm trying to make the best decision for me and my family. So he wanted to go play with Bryce Young, one of the best quarterbacks in the country, reigning Heisman Trophy winner. And he gets hurt and things don't work out the way you want it to. And now there's a quarterback, you know, some quarterback uncertainty. So we'll see how that plays out. I just thought it was curious. Uh, I also thought it was curious and, and interesting, really, how much Alabama relied on Jameer Gibbs on the road this year. You know, I've pointed that out in a couple of pieces, but just the numbers, you know, he averaged about just under 14 touches per game, just under 90 yards and under a touchdown at home. On the road, he averaged 21 touches, over 21 touches, 155 yards, and 1.2 touchdowns. So anytime, you know, it was just like in the Kansas State game, anytime they were away from Bryant-Denny Stadium, you know, 15 carries, two catches, 142 total yards was pretty balanced, 76 yards rushing, uh, 66 yards receiving, you know, ended up being up there as far as, you know, catches are concerned. I think I want to say he led the team in catches, if I'm not mistaken. But, you know, I think that even though he didn't have quite the season that a lot of people were hoping for, I, I do believe that he was a very important part of Alabama's offense. He showed off his versatility. And there's a reason that he's declared early for the NFL draft. He's going to be one of the top players taken at his position. It might not be in the first round, but that's a lot more because of 
the way the running back position is valued nowadays and not really a reflection of Jameer Gibbs' talent. I think he had kind of tapped out or maxed out what his draft value was going to be, you know, through this season in Tuscaloosa. Yeah, uh, I think Gibbs is definitely going to be the first player taken in the NFL draft that does what he does. Uh, I think the NFL is going to view him as a third down back, uh, a a wide receiver that plays running back uh, and a return guy and and a guy that can play all over your special teams. Uh, I think Jameer is going to be a really good NFL player. I just think he's going to be a really good NFL role player. Those guys tend to be drafted in the second and third rounds and not the first round. But Jameer did all he could in college football. I I agree with you that he he, – we're not going to see a better Jameer Gibbs if he came back. He is what he is, and he's really, really good. One interesting thing, and we're going to touch on this a lot during this whole offseason, and I'm really looking forward to all those conversations. But here's how I feel about Jameer, which sounds so incongruous. Well, I think Jameer was Alabama's best skill player. That's not Bryce. Take Bryce out of the equation. But in terms of the running backs, receivers, and tight ends, Jameer was Alabama's best skill player, and we would have been in trouble without him. Uh, he was the guy we leaned on, you, you, as you brought up in those incredible away and uh, home game and away stats. When when things got tough and we went on the road and we played better opponents and they're on the road, who did we depend on? Jameer. Uh, Jameer is who helped us win those games. But at the same time, Clint, I think Alabama's run game, which was not consistent, which the fans complained about all season long as not being consistent and not being good enough, I think the run game itself was compromised over the fact that Alabama's one-two punch at running back, Gibbs and Jace McClellan, are both sort of small guys, and they're not physical backs, and they're not great tackle breakers. Uh, I think Gibbs was at the same time our best skill player and also one of the reasons the run game wasn't as good as we we hoped it would be uh, just based on on how he's built. You know what? I've had the same thoughts and the way that I've put it as I've discussed this internally in my head um, (laughs) is what do I think Brian Robinson would have done behind this offensive line? You know, there were so many problems or inconsistencies with the offensive line last year, but Brian Robinson was a hammer and you could, you could fairly regularly rely on him four or five, six yards. Every time he touched the football, was he going to break off 80 yard runs? Not often, but at the same time, he was very reliable. Uh, Now, granted the short yardage situations, you know, your third and one, you needed to push or it's, it's third and goal from the half yard line and Alabama would get stopped and they couldn't hammer it in. That was a lot more of a reflection of the offensive line than it was Brian Robinson. Uh, but if you took that kind of power back, who also is phenomenal in pass protection, who's also somebody that can catch the football out of the backfield, you know, how do I think he would have done behind this current offensive line, especially with Tyler Booker stepping up for JV and Cohen? I think you've got a lot more power and physicality from the left guard position. I, I think Cohen is a good player, but Tyler Booker, in my opinion, is already a great player and he's going to be an elite player. But I, I agree with you. I think that the consistency, and we said this going into the season, by the way, you know, I, I want to, I, I think you were the first one to say it with a guy like Jameer Gibbs, uh, you're going to get one yard, zero yards, negative one yards, two yards. And all of a sudden you hit, you know, an 80 yard touchdown. And now you're looking at 
what are you averaging at that point, right? Uh, right. Your averages are still – they still look fantastic, but on a snap-to-snap basis, it's not the consistency in where it needs to be. Right. Um, and I think that was an issue that Alabama dealt with for a, a huge portion of this season, and that's not a knock on Jameer Gibbs. You know, right. I, I it, it's just – it's different. And I do think that Alabama wants to get back more to that power style of run game and be more physically dominant and impose their will on opposing defenses. That also could have something to do with, you know, Jermaine Burton wanting to transfer. Like, if he if he sees that coming, if there's been talk about that being something they want to get back to, he might say, hey, you know, in this world, we're not going to be throwing the football as much. And I also want to point out that that would fit Jalen Milrow. Like, that is another player in the run game that you would have to account for with his rushing ability. He's got a power style. He can run you over. He can play physical in the run game. And so if you are thinking, okay, whether it's Ty Simpson or Jalen Milrow, there's some mobility there. But if, you know, people saying that Milrow is not going to be the starting quarterback, if Alabama wants to return to more of the power style of, of run game in general, then, you know, having a guy who's as mobile and powerful and, and as much of a threat with his legs like a Milrow certainly, uh, you know, would, would fit that style. So it, it might be, might be the perfect offense for him. No, absolutely. Um, you know, I, I and I think here's what's. I'm not. I don't mean to run down a rabbit hole here, but I think one of the most difficult parts, Clint, of deciding who the quarterback is going to be next season, whether it's going to be Ty or whether it's going to be Jalen Milrow, is how dramatically different those offenses would look. And, and by that, I mean under Milrow, we're gonna we would run the ball really well uh, because. The de- every defense we play would spy Milrow. So it's 11 on 10 in the run game every week, you know, because <laughs> one of the defenders on the other team, he's assigned to Jalen. He's not, he, he doesn't care what the running back's doing. And usually the player assigned to Jalen is a run defender. And, and now he's out of the equation. That would make that run game so effective. Under Ty, who is an athletic quarterback, but no one's going to spy no one's going to put a spy on Ty Simpson. You got to worry about Ty throwing the ball. You can't take a defender out of the equation. You need that defender that's spying on Milrow to be a guy that's involved in pass coverage, you know, with, with, with Ty Simpson at quarterback. So the offenses would look so radically different. I, I don't know that Alabama can take a long look at, okay, this is our offense with Milrow and this is our offense with Ty. They're probably going to be competing for the job in a similar offense, and then you pick the winner, and then whoever the winner is, then you sort of morph the offense as the season goes on. I'm going to say, even though Ty and Jalen are so similar, I do think the offenses would look almost radically different with Milrow being the primary quarterback or Ty being the primary quarterback. And I think that sort of answers the point you were making before. Well, I mean, and I do think that, you know, Nick Saban's already talked about they want to get more – back to RPO style and and utilizing a lot more, utilizing tempo more in their offense. And I think that you can utilize the RPO game with both quarterbacks um, for, for, for various reasons, right? I mean, I think that, you know, when you run an RPO and you run a zone read, which Alabama never ran zone reads, it was either Bryce was handing it off or Bryce was pulling it and throwing it on, on an RPO, mostly because you didn't, you never saw him have design quarterback runs with, with him in the game with, Jalen Milrow, you saw some zone reads. And so it, they, the, the two look very similar. If you have Jalen Milrow in there, 
you can run that kind of stuff, but you also can run more zone reads, have him keep the football. It's extra strain on the defense. But then if you got Ty Simpson in there, he's got that same, not I wouldn't say the same mobility, but he's got that mobile factor, but he's also an extremely accurate quarterback. So he, the, the RPO from his standpoint is going to be the accurate, quick passes, get the ball into your receiver's hands in space, like a Malik Benson. I think that's going to be a huge part of his game. He's got kind of got that style, and that's why I think he's going to fit where the offense is heading, regardless of who right. ends up being a quarterback. So, yeah, it's going to be a, a fantastic quarterback battle, you know, coming up. That's going to wrap up this episode. We're going to hop right back on and record another one and cover a lot of this other stuff. I knew we were going to take forever, but we 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 got a we didn't transition quite, you know, establishing what the topic was. But I feel like it flowed pretty well, and we got a lot covered. So we'll be back this. Uh, I guess this next episode will be coming out on. Friday, not Thursday. So I hope you guys are enjoying this. We'll be right back.